Hey. I wouldn't expect to find a man of your stature so far away from his stove on a morning as cold as this, Captain. You, uh, you lost? I'm here to take you back to Fort Kiowa, where you will be tried for murder. Yes, sir. I ain't crazy about your plan. Besides, I got one of my own. Welcome to The Rank with John and Zach. I'm John. I'm Zach. We've been friends since Cub Scouts, and now 30 years later, we decided to start a podcast where we'll be ranking anything and everything. You know, the natural progression of events for millennials. You're probably wondering what credentials we have to rank anything. Well, we don't have any. And if you disagree, <laughs> join the discussion at Twitter at, at the Rank Podcast, on our website at therankwithjohnandzach.com. Or email us at therankwithjohnandzach at protonmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at The Rank Podcast. And remember, please rate, review, and subscribe so we can keep this thing going. Anyway, enjoy the show. So you hadn't you hadn't seen uh, The Revenant. Mm-mm. And I got to believe that after watching it, you were like, uh, I need a nap. Yeah. Well, <laughs> fortunately, I got to watch it in two installments, like two two portions so i stopped in the middle and was able to get back to life and not not intentionally not dwell on that <laughs> yeah like i went and played with the dogs and stuff it's yeah. one of those oh you know um it, uh, it, it of uh coincidentally cormac mccarthy just passed away a couple of days ago. i know i saw that and it reminds me of like a cormac mccarthy book where it's just i uh, just oppressive overwhelming just one <laughs> One like one shitty thing after another. I kept thinking, like, is this what is what else is this asshole gonna have to go through? Like, and he took it all with 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 pretty serious aplomb, really. Like, he's just like, oh, I guess that happened to me. Just keep going. It's funny that you said that about Cormac McCarthy because I also was thinking that, but I didn't realize that I was thinking of Cormac McCarthy because mm-hmm. I was thinking of No Country for Old Men. Oh yeah, yeah, similar because I. Yeah, well, it's Cormac McCarthy, right? And mm-hmm. I was just thinking about how it's just, you know, brutal. Mm-hmm. From beginning to like, end, yeah. Uncaring universe. Nothing makes any sense. Nothing matters. Right. It's nihilism. Just blue. But I don't think this is as, as nihilistic oh, no, as, as a Cormac McCarthy book or that film. Um, it's definitely kind of overwhelming, though. Like, remember we talked about with Mad Max, just... Well, I guess I would die because, <laughs> right? Well, I I actually feel like the last three movies have mm-hmm. kind of been like that, right? I was I was thinking when I was watching this, I'm like, so this is just The Martian, but in 1823. Yeah, basically, <laughs> and like less, more just like pure will overcoming things rather than like science. Rather than science, yeah, exactly. And then and then the movie before that. I mean, imagine having to live as a woman. What what movie was that? I, Bro, I Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just Can you imagine oh, the worst, God, worst one yet. I know. But just think, he starts off with getting mauled by a bear, you know, and then is I it know. downhill from there? Is it uphill? I don't know. But it's well, it's get... a lot of crawling. It's a lot of crawling. <laughs> it's incredible that, like, I don't know. This was all based on one guy's memoirs, right? No, no. It's not. All right, um, I don't know what's based on them. 
Well, it's based on a novel. Mm-hmm. But the not it's a, like a, the novel is a novelization of Frontier um, Legend, right? Okay, Frontier Legend, yeah. Um, well, here let's let's dive into it. Actually, right, yeah, let's go for it. All right. So in every episode, we we have a little bit of banter to start off with, um, which you know you just heard, and then we go into a kind of a brief summary of the movie. Then we do some potent notables, which are just the interesting tidbits and um, information that we've uncovered about the production of the film and then we do a movie overview which is us essentially just talking about the whole synopsis and plot of the movie from beginning to end uh, and then we do the rank which is what you're here for it's a ranking of the the film on a scale of one to ten one being the worst ten being the best in ten different categories that cumulative score between zach and i and all ten categories or 20 categories in that case um, is how we come up with the uh, the total ranking so let's let's get into it. So today we're ranking The Revenant, as you may have seen from the title of the episode, which is the 2015 film starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hardy, written by Mark L. Smith and Alejandro Inarritu, uh, who also directed it. And it was partially adapted from the novel by Michael, I'm not sure how to say his last name, but it's P-U-N-K-E. And because I enjoy... Arrested Development. I am calling him QK. Um, uh, now, it was nominated for 12 Academy Awards. Uh, it won Best Cinematography, Best Director, and Best Actor. So three of the 12. The other nine nominations were for Best Sound Editing, Best Sound Mixing, Best Visual Effects, Best Film Editing, Best Makeup, and Best or sorry, best makeup and hairstyling, best co- costume design, best production design, best supporting actor, and of course, best picture. So, The Revenant is a movie that was inspired by true events, which is always sort of a dangerous moniker for a movie to have. The movie is set in 1823. Um, in the 1823 American frontier and follows the harrowing journey of fur trapper Hugh Glass. After a brutal bear attack leaves Glass severely wounded, his hunting team abandons him, believing he won't survive. Left for dead, Glass must summon all his strength and willpower to navigate the treacherous wilderness and seek revenge against those who betrayed him, including John Fitzgerald, one of his own companions. Enduring extreme cold, hunger, and hostile encounters with Native American tribes, Glass's primal instincts and desire for vengeance drive him forward. It explores themes of survival, resilience, and the indomitable spirit of the human will in the face of unforgiving nature and human cruelty. We're on to the sixth film of eight that came out in 2015 and were nominated for Best Picture. We've done The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max, Fury Road, and The Martian. Now, Brooklyn has remained in the top spot for the past two episodes. Do we think The Revenant could take the top spot here? It might. I don't know. It's a good movie. Um, It's a very different movie than Brooklyn. Mm. Very. So... Now I'm curious. Will that will that be like a negligible fact, or maybe that'll help it or hurt it? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But first, Lyndon, tell us what's next. So as always, we'll start with the box office numbers. The Revenant made $183.6 million domestically and $349.3 million internationally for a worldwide total of $533 million against a budget of $135 million. 
that feels like a lot for this kind of movie. It does. And here's where we get into our first real potent notable too. So this movie did make a significant amount of money against a pretty significant budget, right? What's interesting about the budget is that the original budget was $60 million. <laughs> Goodness. So not only did it go over budget, but more than doubled its original budget for reasons you're going to find out soon enough here. Now, to star in this film, DiCaprio agreed to pay to a pay cut from his normal $20 million fee in favor of splitting first dollar gross points. So that mm. means he received a percentage of cinema ticket sales, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, the risk paid off as he ended up making $50 million from the film. Mm. So it became actually his highest payday. So it was shot chronologically on an 80-day schedule mm -hmm. that took place over a total principal photography time period of nine months. So this is sort of an unusually long production time, and that was due to the cold weather conditions, right? The remoteness of the locations and director Alejandro G. Inaritu's and cinematographer Emmanuel Lubezki's aesthetic plan to shoot only with natural light for maximum mm. realism. Which, kudos, mm. by the way. Um, so only a few shooting hours were available every day and had to be carefully planned in advance. And I read that and I thought, I wonder how bad Tom Hardy was to deal with on this thing. <laughs> Not showing up on time. Yeah, because I mean, Mad Max, he was kind of a dick, right? And he doesn't um, even have Charlie's there to keep him in line here. Right, exactly. So there was one exception to this natural light rule. Uh, there was one scene with a campfire where the wind was causing too many light issues with the fire. So they brought in some artificial light for that. Mm -hmm. According to Lubezki, the um, cinematographer, quote, that's all the light we used. Which is pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. So production was falling behind, which was a problem because they were mm -hmm. starting to lose the snow in Canada. So okay. what's the most natural solution to this problem, would you say? I fake snow no you fly to the other hemisphere <laughs> the entire production moved from canada to argentina i uh, can't imagine what cost them all this money <laughs> no it's like hmm, how did the cost of the production balloon so much so that that's basically you know why the production budget went up but it was basically it was like 60 then it was 90 and then it ended up being 135 mm -hmm. i just can you imagine like having a director that was just that's just like I'm just gonna need a you know 20 30 million more again? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I don't know who the producer was or whatever, but I can just imagine him having little fits, you know, every time he gets the new bill or whatever. Yeah, right. I, I like imagine? to imagine like a simpering like accountant having to go into like the royal chambers. You know, he's like a like the the royal you know bookkeeper. He comes in, sir. I'm sorry, but the uh, the revenue has gone over budget again. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what they needed is they needed the the guy that Tom Cruise played in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> okay, so if. You see, this is why I'm not. This is why I'm not friends with anyone famous. Because if I was friends with people who are famous, I would get in, get in touch with Tom Cruise and beg him to do that scene, like to improv, getting like you know having to pay for that you know inflated budget. 
<laughs> oh man. But yeah, so so moving on to some of the um not budget related potent notables. Mm. So I don't know. Do you, did you know that Leo is a vegetarian? I did not. Yeah. So he's been vegetarian for years. I mean, I guess it's like one of the staples of his personality. Mm. Um, and I re actually remember this story at the time, but he chose to devour a raw slab of bison liver. Okay. <laughs> so that's like the one time in 20 years that he, he hasn't been vegetarian, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but he basically was like, they gave him this fake liver and he said it looked so fake that he was like, just, just give me the real thing. <laughs> so, uh, but he also had to learn to shoot a musket, mm -hmm. build a fire, mm -hmm. speak two native American languages, Pawnee and Arikara and study with a doctor who specializes in ancient healing techniques. Mm. He called it the hardest performance of his career. Okay. Can't imagine so, why <laughs> after watching the movie. I'm, I'm expecting to hear they had to talk him out of actually getting mauled by the bear. <laughs> There's some bear talk in here. Oh, um, right. It's, it's, uh, it's more amusing than anything else. But um, according to Tom Hardy, Leonardo DiCaprio bet that Hardy would get nominated for an Oscar for his role in the film. Uh -huh. Right. Whereas Hardy thought otherwise. The wager was that the loser would be forced to get a tattoo of the winner's choice. <laughs> I would not take that bet. Personally. I would not take that bet against two guys like Tom Hardy and Leonardo DiCaprio, especially. No, no, because um, you you know who won. Well, I I assume that 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 Tom Hardy won. No, DiCaprio won. He was nominated. Tom Hardy was nominated for best supporting actor. Oh, he was nominated. I actually didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's and, on Tom Hardy's body now, aside from groupies? <laughs> Leo knows all. Oh, <laughs> that's pretty tame, unless it's like really it's weird. It's not that bad. Yeah, it's just like a hand, you know, like it's just Leo's um, handwriting. Mm -hmm. Leo knows all. Um, well, well, you know, it's funny. Um, this is our second movie that has just Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hardy in it. And I don't oh, right. I don't right, think uh, Inception, right? In, in, yeah, not in the uh, Best Picture series. But I, it's going to happen again, though. I assume that, I don't know, maybe you'll get into something like this, but I, I'm amazed that two of the actors in this movie were in other pictures nominated for Best Picture this year. I know, Domino Gleason and Tom Hardy, right? I, it's weird. Like, I was shocked by that. I, I remarked upon it. Because mm -hmm. I forgot Domino Gleason was in this. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, not to, I shouldn't probably get ahead of myself here, but I thought he was really good, Domino Gleason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. We should, well, we shall get into it. Yeah, I guess we shouldn't get too far ahead. Um, so Alejandro Giannarito, the director, mm -hmm. was insistent that computer generated imagery not be used to enhance the film, mm -hmm. stating, quote, if we ended up in green screen with coffee and everybody having a good time, everybody will be happy. But most likely, the film would be a piece of shit. <laughs> so, okay. Doesn't Alejandro. Now, apparently, Tom Hardy doesn't read scripts. Okay. So, you mean before he accepts the role or at all? I don't know. 
I, I, I think that this meant before he accepts a role. Okay. Okay. But it didn't specify, and I found it to be very odd. Either way, is mm -hmm. well, it's it's even more odd if you don't read it. <laughs> yeah. Once you've been selected, but it's pretty odd to not read the script for a movie that they're trying to you know book you for, right? Mm -hmm. But I guess he was due to act in Splinter Cell, mm -hmm. where he would have played a soldier. Uh, but Leo begged him to read the script for The Revenant. He read half the script and accepted the role. <laughs> so my question... Never read this life. Yeah. My, my reaction to this is, so you don't read scripts, mm. but the only time you do is when Leo is asking you to be in a movie with him. You know? <laughs> like, that makes perfect sense, right? The one time that you don't need yeah. to read a script. If Leo DiCaprio says, I want you to be in this movie with me, you don't go, well, I'm going to need to read the script. Yeah, I have to have to see. Yeah. Interestingly, though, the role was actually already given to Sean Penn, and who, who ended up dropping out. And that's how they ended up with Tom Hardy. Well, I'm trying to decide if that makes it a different movie, like, and whether or not it's better. I haven't seen Sean Penn in anything I much liked him in in years, now that I think of it. Yeah, but he could play a pretty convincing asshole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I so, mean, Tom Hardy did too, though. So. Oh, yeah. Tom Hardy. I mean, I get the impression that, you know, from the Mad Max potent notables, mm -hmm. maybe he's kind of an asshole. Yeah. Uh, which, Tom, by the way, I I would totally be friends with you. You don't need <laughs> to practice jujitsu on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Tom Hardy being in the movie... Uh, it, being in this movie actually deprived people of seeing him in Suicide Squad the following year. He was supposed to be in that, but because of the production overrun on this film, uh, he had to drop out of Suicide Squad. No, hold on. I'm mixed up with my years. Which Suicide Squad is that? That's the, the one uh, with Will Smith. Yeah, the uh, the David Ayer one. Yeah. Who, 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 sorry, who would he have played? Well, that's what I was wondering. I didn't look it up, but I assumed Bane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that would have been uh, kind of cool, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> kinda... It would have been fun. This movie idea had been batted around since 2001, which is when the Punke book came out. Mm -hmm. um, Akiva Goldsman bought the rights to it back, back when it came out. He actually bought the rights to it before it came out. And back then, he had Samuel L. Jackson attached to play Hugh Glass. Really? Yeah. I mean, I actually I know that I a, a, a high percentage of of you know people who went to you know, frontiersmen, I suppose I should say, in the old west were were of color because you know where else are you gonna go? So I suppose that's not that weird. But I mean, was Hugh Glass actually you know black or no? He was a white guy. Mm -hmm. But I do think it would have been an interesting. I think that would have been a cool movie. I, I wouldn't mind seeing the uh, the version of that. Yeah. Well, the, here's the hard part, though, is like the version of it with Samuel L. Jackson might have been cool with him acting, mm -hmm. you know, but it might not have been as beautiful as Alejandro. Mm -hmm. It's you know, cin cinematically. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so. Development stalled, obviously, but it rejuvenated in 2010 with Christian Bale as the lead. Mm, I can see that. Yes, that one seemed very um, yeah, clear to me. That was like, yep, I can see a straight line mm -hmm. for that one. Um, 
but uh but it was you know obviously it was when Inarito and DiCaprio got on board that they finally made it happen, obviously. Mm. So I have a question for you. Mm. Would you rather have seen Leo play Hugh Glass or Steve Jobs? I guess probably this this one, Hugh Glass, because I don't know. <laughs> I guess I, I guess I have just no interest in seeing anyone play Steve Jobs, so it's probably an well, unfair question. It's interesting you say that because I also don't give a shit about Steve Jobs. <laughs> um, I actually don't understand the uh, fawning over him. Yeah, but whatever. That's not that. <laughs> that's not this podcast. Anyway, the reason I ask is because Leo was so in some alternate timeline. Leo never dropped out of doing Steve Jobs in the movie Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. which was eventually portrayed by Michael Fassbender, mm-hmm. whom Leo beat out for Best Actor for his portrayal of Hugh Glass. In our oh, time. you see? So he made the right choice. I don't know what I mean by you see, but you see? <laughs> Why you never... I don't know. Let's move on. So, so <laughs> here's some production stuff. Inarito originally wanted a huge pile of human skulls to be showcased during one of the dream sequences. Yeah. You know the sequence I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. He intended for this to symbolize the future demise of the Native Americans in the film. But production designer Jack Fisk then showed Inarito a photo of eight, from 1850 of men standing among a huge pile of buffalo skulls and explained to him about the awful history of the Native Americans being deprived of their food source by the government. So Inirito decided to change the scene from human skulls to buffalo skulls in order to recreate the photo. Mm. You know, I've seen that photo too. I have too. It's It's disgusting. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Um, There were a lot of crew members that quit or were fired during the filming of this movie, many of whom voiced safety concerns. Now, the producer, New Regency, denied the allegations of safety concerns by saying, quote, while filming in challenging conditions, safety was not compromised, end quote. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it seems like they were preparing the defense of accidents being outside of their control with that mm-hmm. statement. So, But perhaps even more coldly, Inaritu described the turnover of employees by saying, quote, as a director, if I identify a violin that is out of tune, I have to take that from the orchestra. Quote. and i was just like or you could just say hey violinist your violin is out of tune yeah <laughs> if i was like if i was that person who quit or got fired i'd be like fuck you hearing that you know yeah, i know right that's what i was thinking jesus christ like, you what a dick yeah <laughs> um so here's the bear anecdotes mm. or anecdote anyway six foot four stuntman Glenn Ennis was one of the two stuntmen who stood in for the computer-generated bear while filming was taking place and was charged with portraying as convincing a grizzly as possible, right? Mm -hmm. So he said, in rehearsals, I would wear a blue suit with a bear head, which obviously (laughs) doesn't make it into the film, Mm. as the CGI guys paint the bear in, right? Inaritu was adamant that the blue bear moved just like a real bear would move, and it was essential that I, it had the same nuances that a bear would have, even though it was a big Smurf bear. <laughs> <laughs> it still had to be as authentic as possible, right? End quote. So the 51-year-old explained that the role often required him 
to spend quite a bit of time up close and personal with Leo. Mm -hmm. He goes on to say, if you notice the bear's head in the picture, they wanted the bear's mouth to be right on his lower back. I was supposed to grab his jacket with my hand to make it look like the bear's jaws were pulling it in in order to have the bear's jaw and the small of his back. Mm -hmm. Basically, my face was in his butt. My <laughs> face was in Leo's butt for a fair bit of time. I can see how that's someone's fantasy, but it wasn't mine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and I just thought that was really <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio described the only time the shooting process got so extreme that he actually tapped, you know, the director on the shoulder. Mm -hmm. um, and it was when Inarito shot a scene with, with Glass and his son, and their teeth were chattering in a hailstorm, <laughs> and the camera froze, and it was time to stop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> DiCaprio has claimed that he suffered, po quote, possible hypothermia constantly, end mm -hmm. quote, on this shoot. So I thought this was also an interesting little tidbit. This movie has the fewest words of dialogue of any feature film role for DiCaprio. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> well, he gets, he gets his throat cut, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so. I don't know that I would have cared to look this up or would have even thought to look this up if I hadn't found the Mad Max Pote Notables, uh -huh. right? But because I found the Mad Max boat notables, I thought it might be interesting to find out if Tom Hardy was as much of a problem on this set as yeah. his, as the former, right? Uh-huh. So Tom Hardy had some nice and interesting things to say about Inaritu. Quote, <laughs> he's unlike any director I've ever worked with. He sees things how he sees them, so to give him back what he wants is quite an interesting experience. It could drive you fucking nuts. <laughs> End quote. The reason that's interesting is because apparently he got into a wrestling match with the director saying, quote, when things get a bit too serious, I go, why don't we have a cuddle in front of all these people here? It ends with both, both of us falling down in the snow. I think that's a good thing. If I'm the naughty boy for doing that, then I'd rather be the naughty boy and release that tension. <laughs> End quote. Okay. Sounds a little suspicious, but Iaritu said, quote, on the surface, he can look inaccessible or difficult. But he is just a beautiful human being. He's incredibly sensitive and lovable. End quote. It seems like they were both giving each other some backhanded compliments. Yeah. Right? A little bit. Now, in Mad Max, it was pretty clear that it was Hardy that was the one crew members were annoyed with, right? Mm -hmm. But on this one, I think it may have been Inaritu. So to add evidence to my supposition, Hardy mm -hmm. got the cast and crew. I'm not sure. It said the cast, but I think probably the crew, too. He got them all T-shirts of Inaritu in a chokehold from Tom Hardy. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, you can you can see these shirts online. There's pictures of them online. It's crazy. Um, now, what's interesting is that this is an unverified statement, okay? Mm -hmm. but, and it, I don't know who said it, but whatever i found it and this is the quote that's not what happened hardy got pissed off in an argument with inarito and choked him out <laughs> it was a serious fight and when they made up afterward they were good enough to goof about it and took that picture okay <laughs> so sounds like tom hardy is kind of um uh, a little difficult on set and it also sounds like Alejandro G. Inaritu is a little bit crazy about his art. Yeah. 
so, to say the least. Yeah. So, um, anyway, you guys, listeners, you can ju- you judge for yourselves. Obviously, that last quote is, I'm, I'm not standing behind that. I have no idea who said that. So, um, he claimed to be one of the crew, but um, we don't know. But lastly, let's dive into the truth versus fiction of the Hugh Glass story. Right, because you were kind of talking about that in the beginning. Um, so Hugh Glass was a fur trapper who signed up with the Rocky Mountain Fur Company that was started by two officers, one of which, Major Andrew Henry, was played by Domino Gleason. He was attacked by a bear during an expedition, but he didn't kill the bear. The other trappers came to help him, and it took many shots to take down the bear. He was, however, left for dead by the other members, and two of them. Fitz and Bridger were paid to stay behind to give him a proper burial, which is kind of what we see in in the film, right? Those two, seeing that he was refusing to die, dug a shallow grave, took his weapons, and left to rejoin the other members of the expedition. So here's where things get tricky. There is no evidence that Hugh Glass had a son, and the idea that he was married to a Native American, a Native woman, Mm -hmm. is is actually just legend. Mm -hmm. There's no proof of that either along with many other legends about Hugh Glass, mm-hmm. including one that he was captured by the French pirate Jean Lafitte mm-hmm. and survived by jumping ship and swimming to shore near Galveston. Okay. <laughs> What's also interesting is that the tale of how far he crawled went from 80 miles to 100 miles to 200 miles. Uh-huh. <laughs> so a little bit like the budget to this movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I'll tell you though, 80 miles being, I don't know why you need to exaggerate that. Crawling for 80 miles seems pretty fucking crazy. Yeah. Also, Hugh Glass did catch up with Fitz and Bridger eventually, but instead of exacting revenge, he forgave them. Okay. You have to remember though, since Hugh Glass didn't actually have a son that Fitz killed, Mm -hmm. um, it seems a little bit easier to understand why he would be able to forgive him yeah um interestingly though hugh glass was eventually killed by the ari arikaris arikaras mm-hmm. or re as they're called in the film yeah so that's it those are the potent notables they were potent indeed i know it was a lot so well uh, sorry. It, makes, it makes up for what was the last one that had like no potent notables the nice guys yeah wouldn't be on this series but yeah but yeah let's get into uh the movie overview Movie overview. So, you know, right off the bat, I I, 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 I was just thinking, it's I sometimes get a little bit nostalgic when I see the 20th Century Fox instead of 20th Century Studios, yeah. you know? And maybe that's silly, but it's like, oh, it's Fox. No, no yeah. Still a thing. I, I, uh, I missed the 20th Century Fox fanfare before the... Uh, Star Wars music opening. Oh, I know. I know. Those go together in my head. So, yeah. Now we 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 go right into it, right? And it's it looks like some some bleak stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> right in the beginning, right off the bat. Um, and I'm guessing the beginning is at the time I was like I'm guessing this is like white people destroying their home, mm-hmm. which was I was right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was also thinking as we're getting into this i was like wow it already looks beautiful mm-hmm. and and then 
I, you, you've already remarked upon this, but the next thing I note, noted was, hey, this is the second best picture with Domino Gleason and Tom Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, basically you've got you, Tom Gleason, Tom Hardy, Leonardo DiCaprio, all these guys are part of this fur trapping expedition, right? Yeah. And um, they get ambushed by the Re, mm -hmm. the Arikaras. Yeah, I had to look that up to see if what tribe they were talking about there because it kept saying Re, and I was like, I don't know that. I didn't know the Arikara either. But... I didn't either. That was new for me. It looks like their territory was rather small uh, from the map I saw. Not that like mm, small territory, but you know. Was it like South Dakota and yeah. Montana and stuff? And a little bit like how I think they even possibly even mentioned in the movie, but they're you know the uh, the Pawnee and the Sioux and other other tribes were all around them, so I think they might not have really expanded ever. Right. Well, it sounds like they uh, weren't on good terms with the Pawnee or the Sioux. So. Yeah, exactly. So, um. But I, I'm like watching this battle scene, knowing that they're doing it all in like, you know, just light, like normal, you know, no mm -hmm. additional lighting. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking, like, how did they do this battle scene? Oh yeah, the, I mean, it's intense. It's 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 chaotic, and they're doing that like right in the middle of the action, like moving around, like they're a person in the in the fight. Like I don't know how they did any of that. And it's like a one shot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, they're like, it's like they could have made this like a virtual reality movie. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, it looked like it was 360 degrees, all action happening all around the camera. Yeah. And I don't know what they use to simulate getting shot with an arrow through the throat, say. That's what I'm talking about. How did they do that? <laughs> but like, I like, I can imagine it take, like, unless it's some just trickery. Um, whatever effect it is probably took a second to set up. So screwing up the shot, you know, they might have to, might take an awful long time to, to get everything back together and everybody back in place. And given that they have five minutes or whatever to shoot while they had the light. And actually, the, you know, I, I had forgotten about this, but I'm reminded of it um, now that we're talking about it. Um, Alejandro G. Inaritu was on Smartless, which is mm -hmm. a podcast with Jason Bateman and Mm -hmm. Will Arnett and Sean Hayes, um, but they talked about Jason Bateman specifically because he, you know, he's been doing some directing. Mm -hmm. um, he was like really fascinated with The Revenant, and he said that he was talking about how most of everything that he did was like a one shot. Mm -hmm. Like every scene was like basically just one shot all the way through, and then you know that's it. Yeah, and he, so that's really impressive. It also. I guess it kind of makes sense because you don't want to lose the light, right? Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was fascinating. So um, now after the battle is over, I saw that some trees were on fire, and I thought, did they actually set trees on fire? Yeah. That seems pretty dangerous. That's, I also thought that, and I think I think that's the part where the one of them just, like, falls over because it's been burned. Yeah. And, like... I don't know. And with that many extras floating around, I feel like it's just asking for trouble, but okay. Oh, but no, there was no safety concerns on this. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, 
then we get in, you know, they make it to the boat, right? And they're, they're going down the river and uh, Tom Hardy says that there's some tree N words out there. Yeah, right. I have never heard that term before in my life. Me neither, but I said, okay, I hope, you know, I, I get movies in the past, everything like that, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah. Um, did, you, did you see that little note about when Leo was uh, filming, um, what's the movie? The Quentin Tarantino movie he's in with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. No, no, no. Uh, the Django the, Unchained. Django Unchained. Yes, and he was well because he had to say the N word a lot in that one because like, right. And Samuel L. Jackson and Jamie Foxx were like, just mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. this is a different time. I'm not, yeah. I'm property to you. Yeah. So um, it's not not anywhere near the same because I think they only used that that random term once, but I would. <laughs> It popped into my head is, you know, being an actor must be funny sometimes, you know? Yeah, really. I mean, can you imagine just being like, or like, imagine being Edward Norton in American History X. Exactly. You know? I would yeah. be very uncomfortable. Yeah, these guys are all dedicated to their craft, and I'd be like, should I really be saying that? They'd <laughs> yeah. be like, it's historically accurate, and I'd be like, yeah, but it's not very nice. Yeah, exactly. Like, could could if I'm going to say it, could we do it where can we make it so that the scene has no black people in it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, Jamie Foxx and Samuel Jackson are standing right there looking at you and you're like, mm. Yeah, I mean, if there's any if, I feel like those are two fairly intimidating guys to have mm -hmm. to say mm -hmm. that in front of. Mm. Especially Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, Leo's like, I'm going to go do a movie where I get attacked by a bear instead. <laughs> so where are we, though? Uh, so Man say, I don't know where we are. Well, they, they're on they're on the boat. Right? Uh -huh. And now they're like, Hugh Glass is like, we need to get we need to get off the boat. We need mm -hmm. to send the boat down river and we need to go through the mountains. It's the best. It's the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. I still think. I think I'm on Tom Hardy's character side on this. Mm -hmm. You know, like just hide in the boat, right? Yeah. I mean, unless they like wade out into the middle of the river or set it on fire, you should be okay, right? Yeah. But I mean, like, right. I guess there's the potential that bad things could happen with that. But I just can't help but think like the premise here is that they're going to attack from the side, from the shore, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, like just hide inside the boat until you get by them. Yeah. I, so I don't know. <laughs> but so anyway, they get off and they send the they send the boat down. Um I was thinking like they have a scene here where it's sunset. Mm -hmm. And they're using just that little bit of light that they're getting from sunset. Yeah. I would it's like how hard must that scene have been to get? I know. Like just the window must have right. been you can't do many takes with that, right? Yeah, and then like Will Poulter messes up one bit of a line, and you're like, "Damn it! Gotta wait until tomorrow to do this whole thing again." I just, I would imagine that the way that he shot this would make it so that it was so difficult to, um, or not, that it would be very stressful on the on the cast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking about how, <laughs> with the nice guys, how like Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling were like, like, making each other laugh constantly mm -hmm. and crew. 
come on, man. We want to get out of here. That ruining takes. And yeah. Unless when you lose a whole day, if not more. If you lose right, exactly. That's exactly what I'm getting at. I'm like, Imagine yeah. the next day it's just too, it's too, too overcast to do it. And I have to wait a whole other day. Oof. It just, I would, and the whole time I just kept thinking, man, this looks like a grueling film to work mm -hmm. on. Um, yeah, I actually looked up myself, not around this point. Actually, it might have been around this point. I looked up about the cinematography in this myself and saw the thing about it being natural light kind of around at this point in the movie. And I was like, really? Like, and then from then on, I was looking like, I don't understand how you can film in a, in a forest. And, and get enough natural light to do it? Any light whatsoever. Because if you ever try to take a picture with like your phone, and I know that phones are not <laughs> as good as whatever cameras, but like, you're like, okay, this is the darkest thing on earth suddenly. Like, <laughs> I can see fine, but well, I need long exposure over here. I need the Hubble telescope just to collect enough light to film the Revenant. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely bananas. I, I, I've never heard of such a thing. I will say, though, it's it's really gorgeous and it made me like the whole time i'm like man why don't we do more movies like this mm. and then i'm reading about the production i'm like oh that's why <laughs> exactly <laughs> um, um yeah i i mean i i don't know is, is it one i i kind of wonder if there's a way to get that effect without actually just using the natural light and if that would be better or worse because you know if they i imagine they film this on digital right I would think so. I, um, I didn't check, but yeah, I don't I think mean, I would imagine on film for the last twenty years or not twenty. But you I don't think, think you would get that beautiful of a picture. I don't think you could use the natural light that well if it was. Yeah, if it wasn't a, digital. Yeah, there's a limit, and like I kind of wonder how much was done in post production to sharpen anything up. And I don't know. Maybe it's one of those things where I kind of wonder if it's what if it's what I'm trying to say is that is it like a noticeable difference and it might be i don't know or is it just one of those things where sometimes filmmakers are like it needs to be authentic because like yeah because uh, like Werner herzog used to talk about the the voodoo of the location he even used the word voodoo i think he filmed the guire the wrath of god on location you know in the fucking amazon everybody's wearing actual armor and stuff and uh, he actually dragged a boat in Fitzcarraldo. um like they actually did and like it's like a freaking uh you know it's a riverboat but it's like big and they dragged it with wires and everybody told him to that you know the wires would snap and kill people and apparently he drew a gun on somebody and told them to keep going so but wow. like yeah i don't i don't know if it is actually helpful or if it's just sometimes sometimes movie people can get a little full of themselves and it kind of seems a little bit like for for all the, to? yeah it seems like he might be one of those people but then again he's, I don't know. yeah i mean you don't know right mm -hmm. um but i sh i sure got that impression from yeah. reading so. about it so um but i mean you know it is good work um yeah i mean the you can't it's hard to argue with the uh, with the result really because but i mean he won best director and he won it two years in a row so He's got, you know. Oh, right. He directed Birdman, right? Yeah, exactly. I forgot all about that. I was like, what the fuck did he direct? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but how, you know, like that doesn't really happen. You don't, it's like, you know, you could see that. You've seen that with Best Actor, right? Tom yeah. Hanks did it. Spencer Tracy did it. Yeah. It's still only two. I, I don't know. I don't know if 
that's ever happened with best director before. Maybe it probably has. Cause I don't remember them like being like, Oh my God, the first time ever, mm-hmm. but still, I don't know. I was just mm-hmm. like, it's kind of impressive, but anyway, back to the movie though, to again, you know, we've got some more incredible directing, right? Mm-hmm. We've got a one shot bear scene. Mm-hmm. How in the world did he put it's, it's fucking crazy. I, this I bear don't scene know. is incredible. I it and the uh whatever CGI they use looked pretty good, I thought. Because like I actually stopped for a second and I was like, this isn't a real bear, is it? They couldn't because I understand that they can train animals, but come on. But what well, I remember watching it in the theater and being like, is that a real bear? <laughs> yeah. Because this so, looks fucking crazy. It looks good. So, I mean, I mean, uh, what was the word I'm looking for? Congrats to them, I suppose. Because, yeah. That, that scene is pretty incredible. And <clears throat> I couldn't help but thinking, I'm like, I'm watching it. And he's like, he like starts ironically bear crawling yeah. to his gun. And I'm like, dude, just lay there and play dead. You know, <laughs> just was, let the bear leave. And you want to know what actually, now that I'm thinking of it, some of the most convincing stuff here, like you see the bear like drooling, you know, yeah. on Leo. I don't know how they accomplished that aside from just, I guess it's CGI drool because it's where we are as a society. And like, but there's also a moment, at least one, where the bear exhales like hard. Like yeah. only something the size of a oh, bear. Oh, then it, it heats up the uh, yeah. camera. It's like yeah. it's I like that very, was really cool. It's visceral. Like it feels yes. like there's a bear actually there. You feel like you're in the movie. Like yeah. you're, if they had made this as a virtual reality thing, it would be terrifying. I would not want to do that because that sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Have freaking nightmares. But uh, <clears throat> and there's a part where the bear is like stepping on leo's head you know oh, i know just stepping right on his head and like i mean and he let's talk about how leo did some good acting in that scene, in that scene yeah you know? i mean it's it's intense like it's, it's the kind of i could not do a role like this because i'd be like well i have used up all my life force you know <laughs> i have no more like energy left for anything else on earth like oh the bears came back i mean i am curious like would the bear have bothered with him on the second go around if he hadn't shot her you know you know i don't know because that's my my thought was i know you're not supposed to run away from bears because it it kicks in their uh their chase instinct but like it obviously didn't want to eat him and it obviously wanted to go off with its cubs right or her cubs we can call it so they say with with black bears you want to make yourself big Mm -hmm. right yeah and they say with grizzlies, you play dead because mm. they don't they don't want to keep fucking with you if you're dead. Yeah. Do you know um, what, you know what you do with polar bears? Uh you you die. You die. Yeah. yeah so. That's that. <laughs> I mean, grizzlies, you pretty much die too. You pretty much die too, but I think you have a slightly <laughs> better chance at least. Yeah. Um, I couldn't help thinking, well, like, so you know, he kills the bear and. I was like, man, these poor cubs. I know, you know? they're probably going to die too. How about that? Like, I get. I mean, it's the, old, it's the olden days, but like, I don't know. I was sad too. Yeah, I felt bad for the cubs. I was sad for a couple of animals in this movie, and it's you know a lot of people die too. But you know how it is. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, oh. there's there's billions of us, you know. Yeah, there's not so many. There's not all that many bears. Actually, I don't know if there's a lot of bears left or not. I don't know. 
Well, there's definitely not billions of them. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> if there yeah. were billions of them, we wouldn't. There wouldn't be billions of us. Man, how about that? A war between the humans and the bears? You know, like I'm thinking, like the polar bear armies and uh, his dark materials. That'd be cool. I've watched that movie. Well, I, yeah, Joe <laughs> Rogan would be terrified of that movie. <laughs> We haven't even seen a bear's true potential, John. <laughs> because if somebody could teach a bear how to lift weights, can you imagine? <laughs> and imagine a bear on steroids, on bearoids, you might say. <laughs> on bearoids. Oh, gosh. Um, well, anyway. <laughs> You'd have berry bonds. Oh, there you go. That's a bear on steroids, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I uh, made myself laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I, you ever get a, you ever think of something you get all excited you should see my face i was like oh i gotta say this <laughs> it was a good one it was a good one you i get why you were excited about it um yeah. anyway but yeah goddamn did uh hugh glass get fucked up yeah <laughs> jesus christ it's like it was gruesome it was very very disturbing almost yeah I was just like, you know, I'm watching them trying to. I, I was, when we get to the part where they're trying to help him, just like, okay, I get mm -hmm. it. <laughs> Can you put it away? Yeah. I feel and, like, uh, and feel you like know, every I've... woman who saw Louis C.K. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they find they find him right. I think is where we are. Well, yeah. Um, but I think we get to see the French people first. Oh right, yeah. Oh right, the uh, the uh, the re, I suppose, are dropping off the pelts. Right, exactly. And I just, I don't know if if I'm the only one, but it's so hard for me to imagine French people being hardy. That's <laughs> exactly what I was thinking, because like they're out there in the wilderness, they're like trailblazing, they're killing, they're trading pelts, but meanwhile they're also oh, oui, oui, yes, baguette. <laughs> so it's like very difficult to admit. I I agree. Like these guys can't be tough. They're French. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> Which I know that there were like tough Frenchmen back then who yeah. you know were hardy pioneers. But it's just like it's just hard for me to imagine. Say that um, one of French Canadian extraction, and they will get really angry at you at the idea that a, a person <laughs> of French heritage just you know and might not be tough because. Not that I know anybody of French Canadian extraction, but it's not the point. Well, I can, I'll, I'll tell it to all those Quebecers, you know? Yeah, fuck them. You know, if, know, you're, know if, you're so, if you're so tough, why don't you separate from Canada like you've been <laughs> threatening for years? They're like, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah, but I'm really tired. <laughs> um, tired, exactly. Smoking <laughs> a cigarette. Um, but yeah, so Tom Hardy's a real dick in this. <laughs> Yeah, I thought you meant Tom Hardy, but no, his character is this. Is this our first real look at him just being a complete piece? Of, no, he's complaining for most of this part. But like you said, he kind of has a has a point up till now in a lot of the ways. Yeah, but at this point now, he's just kind of gone off the deep end. Yeah, at the, you're really noticing. Hey, this guy's just a piece of crap. Is all he is, because it's, it's noticeable how much everybody else, most just about everybody else in the actually, you know what? That's not true. Most people in this group are like eager to help Glass, right? Right, and he's just like uh, he's dead. Let's yeah, go. Fuck him. I don't care. But you know what i what I did find interesting, and I don't think I necessarily 
it's not that I didn't notice it, but I think the first time I watched it in the theater, I watched it and just was like, what an asshole, you know, mm-hmm. like the way you're kind of supposed to feel about him. Yeah. But there is a more nuanced look to this, mm-hmm. uh, this character. And it's that he is completely driven by fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's because he's been scalped. Yes. Yeah. He's terrified of the natives. Have we have we learned that yet at this point? I can't remember is all. No, I don't think we'd learned at this point. I think he I think it's later on. Mm-hmm. I think he's talking about it with them when it's just the two of them looking watching. after him for yeah, to yeah. Marry him or whatever. Yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, that's a good point you make. Um it just it's sort of I it actually made me understand him a little bit more when I had that realization, like, oh, he's just terrified. The whole time he's just fucking terrified. You know, that's a really good point because he's not he's not outwardly afraid of, say, starving to death or dying of exposure or even of animals or whatever. It's literally always he's worried about the the Indians get the natives catching up to him. Right, exactly. He's just like, you got to keep your voice down. Shut mm-hmm. up. We got to go. We can't stay back here. We can't hang around here. You're going to, we're not going to be able to get away from them. You know, like the, mm-hmm. his whole thing is getting away from the natives. Yeah. So. I, I, hadn't, I hadn't considered that. Good, good pull. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, who, are who are you anyway? <laughs> but okay. How hard would it be to not blink? With this guy telling you to blink over and over again. No, dead serious. I tried not to blink that entire time. And it's like, but your eyes were watering like crazy. And I can, you know, he's not exactly in the best physical shape. And meanwhile, I'm sitting on my couch, like munching on shit. And I'm having a hard time not blinking. And like, you know, I was like, what? Like, at first I was like, you know, I kind of do get maybe like he might actually want to die and is having trouble communicating it. But like the way that he's like, no, you gotta blink. No, we're still we're still counting, you know. Like I know any so blink can't you blink. Yeah, you can't <clears throat> like you can't blink at all. And yeah. you know, he's just sitting there like waiting for it to happen. Yeah, like he's watching <laughs> all night. Like as soon as you blink, I am murdering you. Now, do you think that hit the blink that he eventually gives is to say, Yeah, go ahead and kill me? It seemed like an awful, um, an awfully long, like purposeful blink for it not to be. But that's what yeah. I thought too. And I don't know if it was just like once you start being suffocated, suddenly you, you sort of go, oh, no, I do want to live. Or if it wasn't an actual indication that he wanted to be killed. I don't know. It was hard to say. But I like it being um, kind of we don't know. You know? Yeah. It's pretty awful that he kills his son in front of him. Yeah. I, I actually did not. I was surprised that the son died, if we're being honest. I don't know why I was surprised exactly, but. I don't know. I thought that like the two of them were going to survive together for a larger part of the movie than this because we're still pretty early on. See, so, yeah. okay. So the real story is that he didn't have a kid, mm-hmm. right? And I get that you know it gives him more reason for vengeance and everything. Mm-hmm. But like, part of me is like, well, you could have had um, Bridger hit fits in the head and be like hey you know what the fuck are you doing blah 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 yeah and then eventually tom hardy's like fuck this it's not worth the money and he leaves right Mm -hmm. and then bridger is like i can't do this alone i'm so sorry Mm -hmm. i have to leave too and i still think that would be enough vengeance reason for him to like go after them 
at the end. Yeah. Not maybe not as much as the son thing does, but it's like, do we have to kill this kid right in front of him? Jesus, dude. Yeah. It's, it's just awful. And we've been seeing the, the son's grief over, over, you know, uh, last possibly dying this entire time. And right. It's just sad. So it's, <laughs> it's really sad. In in a way, this is like worse than the bear attack. I think really. Yeah. It's like the bear attack is like physical pain, but this is like you actually have to see someone watch their son die, who obviously they have a very deep connection with. Yeah, it's um yeah, I it's it's it was tough to watch. Um although what another thing I didn't understand was at this point why Fitz wouldn't have just killed Hugh Glass and Bridger. Yeah, it's actually very strange because Bridger's not there for that part, right? He comes back and asks, where's where's Hawk, I think is the kid's name. Right. He could have just killed Glass right there, you know, and oh, Glass died too, you know? Glass yeah. died and also I don't know where Hawk is. I don't know why he didn't kill him there. Maybe he actually... That's what I mean. Is like he could have... Uh, that's true. He didn't even need to... He didn't even need to uh, kill Bridger. He could have been yeah. like... Yeah, Glass died. I don't know where Hawk went. He was really upset. Yeah. Um, and then he could have still done the thing in the morning where he's like, Yeah, the the rear here, we gotta go. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe he actually does have a uh a, a disinclination to kill someone in cold blood. Um and maybe he doesn't consider Hawk killing Hawk because like Hawk kind of attacked him, you know, so it's self-defense. And and before well, I think it's the fear that drives him on that one. Yeah, that's true. Because he's like, you gotta stop yelling, you gotta stop yelling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 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 maybe he does can maybe he was looking for that that blink from glass because he has to tell himself, no, he wanted to die. I don't know. It's right, it an interesting right. question of why, aside from just needing the plot to be there. Right, because he's not like super evil at this mm -hmm. point. He's kind of a dick, but he's not mm -hmm. um not as bad as he, as he would become soon. Yeah. Well, I think you know, you sort of open that door and it's you That's know true. Um anyway, I also think it may be just be that so I think you're right, maybe that he doesn't want to kill in cold blood. He also probably thinks you know, the guy's going to die anyway, and I'm just going to convince this guy to leave with me, right? Yeah. He clearly wants companionship on the way home. Yeah. So that, that must be the driver there. Um, I don't know. It's, it's it's interesting. He's a really complex character, I feel like. Yeah, for being such a, such a shithead, once you actually start thinking about him, like, there is more going on there. Yeah. And... So the team, you know, the team now is like they're they're climbing through the mountains and stuff. They do not look good. <laughs> no, yeah. No, yeah, this this is the point where it doesn't look like a single one of them is getting out of there alive. Is this this is I think the point where they split up even. Some of them go right, one, some of them go west, some of them go east or something like that. Yeah, and some um, of them cross the river and some don't or Yeah, maybe that's it, maybe that's further along in the movie. I don't remember. I can't remember either now because this one of the things this movie does is all of the little moments of like when I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, you know, this movie's kind of a slog. Like 
there are a lot of like long stretches where not a heck of a lot happens but look but now in retrospect you feel like you were on this like endless like trek back from the wilderness with them and it's like easy to remember to forget which moments were which exactly because like so many bad moments just kind of blend together in your the malaise of your mind and I, I was just thinking continuously, like, you know, these guys, I feel like they would all do better off if they just stuck together and weren't dickheads to each other constantly. I know, I know. Well, also, I mean, so these are actors, right? Uh, and these they were, were walking through that fucking river. Ugh. How cold must that have been? I don't know. <laughs> the actors, I mean, there's like... snow and ice all around it. Mm -hmm. like, that's a cold damn river. Yeah, I, I was thinking. I was wondering in real life, like how anyone survives that. Yeah, I know. I'm like, and I feel I'm like just, people got wet an awful lot in this movie, and then yeah, not freeze to death. I don't know. It doesn't, and they they look like they're on pretty remote locations. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't, you know, how easy was it for them to get warm after something like that? I mean, Leo says that he was like hypothermic conditions constantly. Yeah. You know, can you imagine if someone like Leo DiCaprio had died filming a movie like this? <laughs> I don't think Alejandro G and Aritu would get any more work. Right. I would actually kind of hope not, given. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, also, like, so th then we cut back to Hugh Glass, right? Uh -huh. um, and they show him crawling, right? He just, he's getting up. And how do they show his foot just like hanging off his leg? I know it is not it is not it is like on his leg gross. correctly. So and I'm like how, how so I realize that it it must span a long period of time, yeah, like several months, but I don't know that I buy that his leg ever healed properly. It, yeah, I actually it was exactly at that moment I was like, is he gonna stop and like set his his leg? Cause because that is not gonna that is not gonna heal right, like you said. So yeah. Can't understand why Hugh would be angry about any of this either. Seems oh yeah, it's, you'd get back and be like, oh, "No worries, guys, it's all right." <laughs> I get it. Sometimes you got to leave someone for dead and kill his son. Yeah, and kill um, his son. Importantly, it is very emotionally affecting. Also, when he finds his son. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know, and he stays there throughout the night. Yeah, I. Uh, well, that was a. That got me teared up. I was like, geez. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't actually remember what happened here, but I wrote Fitz is one cold motherfucker. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. Yeah. Both literally and figuratively. Uh-huh. Because um, <laughs> it's cold out, get it? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so Hugh is one determined guy here. Um, yeah, the I, will to live here. I don't know where he's summoning it up from, but I mean, he, the guy army—he's army crawling right mm -hmm. for miles here. I, at this point, I hadn't looked up how long he crawled for. Mm -hmm. You know, the real life Hugh Glass, yeah. and I looked it up. I'm like eighty miles. Yeah, I don't know that. I think I'm giving up at that point. <laughs> I would have given up back back with the bear. I would have been like, all right, fine, eat me. I you know what? I think I would have been in better shape than him because I would have been like, nope, that's fine. The gun can stay over there. I'm just going to lay here until you leave. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know. I, I certainly wouldn't have shot it the second time unless I absolutely had to. 
I would have yeah. just like been like, I'm just gonna leave. <laughs> just gonna sneak away this way, bear. You take care of your your cubs there. Yeah. Um. But then he, you know, finds some carcasses, and he's like, "All right, I'm just gonna break the bones and eat the marrow." Yeah, that part kind of grossed me out. Actually, I know people eat marrow, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's a good way to survive. That's you got to do what you got to do, right? Including yeah. eating raw fish, raw bison, whatever you got to eat, I suppose. So the fish wasn't real, just so okay. you know, not a real fish. Um, that would be that would be too far. Well, I think you know the bison liver is okay mm. because you know it's probably a, a processed bison that they mm. got it from, right? That's true. But uh, I don't think Peta was okay with him just. Grabbing fish out of the river, grabbing fish out of the river and eating it on camera. Mm -hmm. Although I, I suppose, like, I don't know, is it really that bad? I don't think so. I feel like I don't think it's probably, that bad. people probably do that. So, yeah. I, anyway, um, I guess I could see the point of it being like, but to just kill the fish for the purpose of a movie. Yeah. I guess you're right. But I don't know. Who knows? Maybe maybe Peter doesn't care about fish. I'm thinking too, it's like um like he's you know, he's had the marrow and then he, he finds water and he I mean he's way up when he finds that water. Mm -hmm. So he crawled down that mountain side mm -hmm. to get to the river. Then he puts the you know canteen into the river. Starts to drink and then he starts hacking up blood. It's like mm -hmm. he can't even drink water. This poor mm -hmm. guy. Yep. I I don't know how he survived. Like, I I mean just I I just don't. I don't know. <laughs> it's, there's so many things conspiring to kill him, and he just will not die. So <laughs> it's unbelievable. And I felt like a broken record. I just kept writing like, my gosh, this guy. And I, but this is just harrowing. It's harrowing. Yeah, it know? is. Um, and you know now Leo's in the in the cave and he looks nuts mm -hmm. <laughs> he looks crazy when he's hiding from uh the natives yeah i just i'm like how in the world did they get these scenes when he's going down the river uh-huh i mean I, I get that there's there's got to be trickery or something i just am like but what was the trick yeah because uh, otherwise leo DiCaprio is just swimming in the river in the middle of the winter where whichever hemisphere they happen to be in Right, exactly. And and the cameraman is in the water with him. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, the yeah goes that, under the water. Yeah, to say nothing of the guy lugging the camera around. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just it's wild. Um and and then they give it like a really beautiful sort of panoramic shot of the wilderness. And I'm like, man, it's hard to believe that there's still enough of a wilderness out there that you could find this long of a stretch of any river without signs of an habitation. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. I, so now we're going to cut back to Fitz and Bridger and they've, they've made it to the, this awful scene of a massacre of a native village, you yeah. know? And um, it said it was crazy to me that Fitz still had no compassion for them. Yeah. And I think it just goes to show his character, you know, because he's still like, they never look as dead as you think they are, you know? Yep. That's the first thing he thinks. Yep. 
And on top of that, then he says he picks up like a uh, you know a pocket watch, and he's like, "They're always stealing our shit." <laughs> it was another. I actually forgot about that line, but yeah, like he's just he's got a lot of hatred built up for them. And I get it. Like you lose the top of your head, you know. But yeah, I guess that wouldn't be that great. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. It, it, and also, it's interesting that it's it's so itchy to him because I could mm. I could see how it would be. Mm -hmm. You know, scar tissue and whatnot. I sort of was like, it was kind of unbelievable that Bridger was as had as good of a moral compass, you know, that, as he did. So I guess what was unbelievable is like, would this type of guy really be on this journey? Yeah. Anyone, anyone who is in that situation is going to generally be hardened against, I don't know, yeah. most, most compassion. Just yeah. kind of kind of the way that life was at the time for him to help out the 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 native woman. You mean? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but he he tended to have, you know, a more progressive attitude towards mm -hmm. natives throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we get a uh, the fish trap there, which was it a weir or a beer? I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, but I, know but I remember building those in summer camp. Actually, Did it's you, crazy uh, that it works. It, I, I thought it was clever, but it looks like it's something that people know. So, it, it, it possibly is clever, but well, like you know, it's, it's clever, but you know, it's um, it's it's a kind of a passed down thing. But yeah, I mean, the, it, what's crazy about it is the fish swim up to it, and they're like, "Now, well, now what?" <laughs> and they just well, stay yeah. there. Yeah, <clears throat> fish aren't you know not the smartest not, animals. Yeah, they're not blessed with natural intelligence, which is not to insult them. Just <laughs> the Lord gave everyone strengths, and intelligence is not fishes generally. <laughs> so I could I actually couldn't find anything about the fish being real, which makes me think it's not a real fish because mm -hmm. we talked about it being real. Yeah. Um, however. Leo did say that eating the bison liver was as disgusting disgusting as he made it appear on screen. Ugh. Which it looked pretty gross. It it did indeed. And you know, things were on fire right near him. So I was like, why don't you go over and just heat it up a little bit, you know? I get yeah, right. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a really good point. So uh, yeah, like there was all sorts of stuff on fire, and I don't know why. And he's just like monch, monch, monch. Then again, the native guy wasn't um wasn't cooking it either, so I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's better rare, you know. My yeah. uh, my mother-in-law, <laughs> my mother-in-law eats steaks basically not cooked at all, and I don't understand it. I don't eat any steak, obviously, but I really don't understand the eating it basically uncooked thing. It's just very strange to me. <laughs> well, yeah, my mom is a is a rare steak person too, and I'm like. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I like it without blood. Yeah. Um, I like to have that separation, you know. Like, yeah, same. I feel really bad for Bridger. Which one is? I'm sorry, I got Will Poulter. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's what I thought it was. I don't remember him, but yeah, no, he's he's like trying, you know, like yeah. trying to be good, and I don't know what, but I actually. You know, I wish that there could have been um, some resolution for him. 
at the end. Yeah, yeah we also don't really... I kind of wondered what happened with a couple of the things that a couple of the soldiers, or not, they're not soldiers, but whatever they are. Well, because Hugh Glass says what? He says <clears throat> he's telling the truth. Uh -huh. you know, yeah. He did yeah. lie to him. And then Domino Gleason is just like, okay. Yeah. And I'm like, he's, okay. Well, so what happens now? Like, is he going to, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. He doesn't really care. And then Domino Gleason, well, spoiler alert, dies anyway. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I guess we should have said that. There's some spoilers in this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna listen to this first and then go watch The Revenant. But boy, how lucky is Hugh that he found this this uh, lonely Pawnee guy? You know, I know. He's he he. I, you know, I guess he probably can tell can tell the different um you know people the different tribes from each other because he he very quickly knew to avoid the. Uh, the other the people, when he, yeah, when he was on the river, and this guy, he was like, "I'll just go up to him." And then again, his son is Pawnee, and presumably the wife was too. So maybe he can tell quickly. And uh, I think it's in what they wear, but it I probably is. I, 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 I sound awfully ignorant with this. It's just at this point, it seemed like he was very wary of any humans because humans will do nothing but try to kill you. At best, leave you for dead. Like at best, at, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, so you, like you said, there's another, you know, fire over there. Uh, mm -hmm. he's, I, I, but I, I was like really curious. I'm like, what campfire scene did they have to use artificial light for? Yeah. And like, I was like really watching for it when I was watching the movie, which well, this part was awfully dark. Um, it was, I don't know if it was, I don't know what time it was supposed to be taking place, but, um, there's fire everywhere though. Maybe that was why. Maybe they just set shit on fire to get some light for the scene. <laughs> well, the maybe that's what caused the the wildfires in Canada recently. Yeah, uh, yeah is filming some crazy movie. <laughs> we need more light. <laughs> He's a mad scientist, apparently. So, watching this movie though, mm -hmm. it definitely made me feel like the knowledge I've accumulated in mm -hmm. my life would mean absolutely nothing without a society. Oh, I know. <laughs> like. I have I have no survival knowledge at well, all. You at least knew to make the the fish trap. I wouldn't even have been, I would have been like, hopefully I can catch one with my mouth. Yeah, but I would have been like, where's the water? <laughs> you see, I feel like I might have been able to find the water, assuming there was water to find. Yeah. So, you know, I guess I'm sort of lucky. I grew up in a in a situation where I don't need to be reliant on my survival wits well then well then again if you grew up in the olden days maybe you'd know a lot more about how to survive in the olden days no i think that'd be what they'd call a dandy <laughs> oh i see you're like walking around town with your top hat and your and your walking stick so yep. what 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 what? <laughs> what what that's all you know how to say um but yeah, his his wounds are gnarly. They really are. I, I was know. wondering. Oh, go ahead. You said this was a nominated for best makeup, right? Yeah, that's what I was just gonna bring up. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah, well, I was, I mean, it looks convincing as fuck. So. Yeah, I was I was wondering what like the makeup was like to put that on all the time. You know? know. And then you're just you get off of like having to play this role, and then you're still in like the Canadian wilderness or whatever the hell. Like just sitting in your tent. I don't know how. How do they do this? 
<laughs> I also think so the you know Leo took like two years off of acting after this. I think I took two years off of acting just watching him. <laughs> but I was thinking like the luxury that this guy has to just be like, mm -hmm. well, I made fifty million, so yeah. I'm just gonna not work for a couple of years. I'm just gonna I, on my yacht. <laughs> yeah, I love how like they you know it's funny the way entertainment like media will be like oh he's with such a grueling shoot that he took time off of acting he's he's just taking some time to sit back and do you know like just think about him like work on himself or whatever the fuck you know yeah <laughs> and they say it like they're heroes and i'm like well, i'd fucking love to take two years off too motherfucker you know yeah i mean this i'm sure it was difficult but the 50 million makes it a bit easier yeah Give me fifty million, and I'll I'll do all that stuff he did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I won't do it as well, but that's not the point. Exactly. <laughs> um. So anyway, then we get we get back to the Frenchies, and I put fucking Frenchies on the. I know. Uh, because you know, of course, I you know, and it's funny because I don't know if it's because I remembered or what, but I like knew when the when the in, when the when the native americans showed up and they're like i can't find pakwana or paukana or i can't remember how what the name was of his daughter mm -hmm. i'm like i bet the french have her <laughs> yeah exactly and uh and sure enough they do and pretty fucked up yeah they're not treating her all that well um yeah uh this is like the moment where I was just like one fucking thing after another because he finally meets like this 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 Pawnee guy, right? The yeah, and then they kill him. The Frenchies yeah. kill him. And like I'm not saying they became close friends, but the guy helped treat his wounds. They shared meals. You, you're like, oh, finally someone's helping me and it's nice. And oh, we, they fucking murdered him and hung him from a tree. How nice. Like just waking up to what 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 new horrors await me in life now, you know? Like I yeah, can't, I can't even. I know, I know. I just yeah, I just was like, man, fuck those guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we go back to to the fort now. They've already he's already given Fitz three hundred dollars, and then um, Bridger wouldn't even take the money. Yeah, which I feel like if I was the the captain or whatever, I'd be like, "Hey, Bridger." Like later on, come yeah. talk to me. I want to know what really happened. Yeah, exactly. Without this other guy present, so he's just like, "Hi, hey, doesn't want the money." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's well, like, "Okay." says he's beating himself up, so that makes sense. No need to pry any further. I won't question this in the slightest. Because my history with Fitz seems to show me that he's a real stand-up guy. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, but now he's like he's like kind of a real stick-up artist, you know. He's like, you've got Absolutely. money in that in that uh, safe of yours, so yeah, that's you know. that's that's the point. I would definitely start to, well, not start to, but like think about from from the Dominic Gleason character's point of view he just gave him three hundred dollars right and the guy's like so we getting paid yet and I'd be like I just fucking gave you money relax yeah exactly like you got more money than anybody else in here guy. yeah except my safe I guess yeah <laughs> the richness of this camp goes my safe than you yeah, right <laughs> you're just slightly less rich than a safe 
It was actually at this point with all the crazy shenanigans. Because I mean, because this is when he's like falls off the cliff and the horse uh, with the horse and survives. I know, right? Just like, another fucking, fucking issue, exactly. And I was like, this is like the eighteen twenty three version of The Martian. Yeah, it's just one issue after a goddamn another. And the falling off the cliff, I don't know if it's the worst one yet, but it's not the best one yet. I'll tell you that. Yeah. It's I was that great. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually shocked when I saw that because you know he's riding away and then just he's fucking off a cliff. It was <laughs> and how they manage that shot. I don't know. Did Leo actually fall off a cliff? What do I know? I also was like I remember thinking, like, how is he getting out of this one? You know, yeah. like, <laughs> if only this was like a series, like a TV series. Like, you know, tune in next week to find out how Hugh Glass gets out of this one. Yeah, and then they, you know, you tune in next week, and it's just a one-minute episode. Like, Hugh Glass is dead. <laughs> he did. Um, <laughs> if you were wondering how he got out of it, he did not. He did not. <laughs> okay, welcome to the new show. Um, <laughs> the but the uh, show. Yeah, the the Bridger show. He's just nice. So yeah, we're just gonna follow him around for a while. Um, but then we see Leo doing his Luke Skywalker impression. I right? I'm sure that's something that people actually did. It's impossible to watch nowadays without going, "Oh, he's gonna do a Luke Skywalker." He's yeah. gonna, it's like the Tauntaun. Well, but with the Tauntaun, we only see like a little bit of stuff coming out. But with this, oh, he's like pulling all of it out, and I'm like, "Okay, great." Yeah, it was it was graphic, is what it was. I don't know if these. Hopefully, these were fake and not like the real like bison liver that he had before. Because if he actually pulled out like a horse, I guess one of them was probably its stomach. Yeah, or it's it's yeah. Um, horses only have one stomach. They are they mostly do their digesting in the lower intestine or the large intestine. Anyway, point is, well, that's great news it's, um it's gross is what it is and then he, yeah it's him, really, get, him really getting nasty. in there is just as gross and like where the ribs poking into him you know what i mean i heard him well he, he broke he broke them yeah yeah and i was thinking too like would you really want to be naked yeah yeah the naked part i'm not sure about <laughs> that's i think the he, part he didn't sure want to get his he didn't want yeah, that's his the clothes. one part i his guess he didn't want to get his clothes ruined or something viscera yeah. all over him but jesus christ you know like I, I can see why the the in writing the story they were compelled to give him the son and so he has the revenge aspect right to keep him going because otherwise I mean even with the revenge aspect it's it's not it's hard not to question what do you why you know at some point just give up man <laughs> I You're actually think, I actually okay. think that the motivation Mm -hmm. would have been better if it wasn't revenge if it was yeah. just survival i think it would have been more yeah enjoy uh, i don't know i don't know more enjoyable to watch or something mm -hmm. yeah. um instead of it's just like this quest for him to kill this guy yeah, that's true it's like i don't know it's not the not the most hopeful reason to continue living um but uh but anyway you know they he gets back right mm -hmm. And poor Bridger, you know, just fucking Captain just blasts him in the face with a shotgun. Yeah. Or his, you know, rifle or whatever. Yeah. And, like, come on, he, it wasn't him, you know? Mm hmm And so then, you know, like, he's trying to find Fitz. Fitz is gone. And he sits down with Leo, mm -hmm. right? And I think this is the most menacing I've ever seen Leo. 
yeah, this is a. Uh, I think it was this scene in particular that um, makes the performance because a lot. I mean, a lot of the rest of the performance is good and everything, but a lot of it is just sort of existing, right? Like just being in that situation and just reacting how anyone would react. Here's the part where he actually gets to channel a lot of that pathos into into actual well words, even though he can barely talk. But he does it really effectively. Mm -hmm. And it's just like Yeah. It's like mm -hmm. That's why that's why, you know, the Donald Gleason character is like, all right, I guess I guess I'll let you come because you're gonna <laughs> come no matter what I do. Yeah. Well, he looks so good, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so so they they you know yeah Domino's like okay we'll we'll go together and mm -hmm. then uh they end up having a, a fire and they chat and you know he's like could you really kill an officer and he's like i killed the guy who was trying to kill my son <laughs> yeah, Which, he's like all right fair enough yeah i mean that's a pretty good answer yeah um but i was thinking i think that's the artificial light one Oh, that would make sense, yes. Because they don't show the fire there. And I know that the issue was that the wind was making the fly fire like flicker and pulse too much. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, I'm thinking that might might have been what it was. That's my supposition. I, I, and I, I, we'll I, never know for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Alejandro Inarito's not talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then, uh, you know, the next morning they go out, they, they find the smoke and they think they've they've got them. And I was kind of convinced that Hugh Glass had like sent him in the wrong direction so he could get him. Yeah, I kind of thought that's, that too. That's what I thought was going to happen. But then, you know, the captain finds him. Mm -hmm. And of course, fucking Tom Hardy gets the jump on him. Yeah. Although I did like, I ain't crazy about your plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, you don't see who got shot, but you have, you know, you have an idea. Yeah. Um, and then what I didn't expect was for him to be scalped. Yeah, me neither. I actually didn't think. I was surprised he died. Not like really surprised, but a little bit. And then then the brutality of it. I was like, Jesus. Yeah. Getting, getting scalped uh, at an earlier point in time really messed up this Tom Hardy character, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know... <laughs> Again, he's driven by fear, mm -hmm. right? He's terrified of Hugh Glass now. And uh, at this point, it becomes like a cat and mouse kind of movie. Right, exactly. Like Bullet. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just... Uh, that's messed up. But I remember it's like when they when he found that stick. Mm -hmm. like, what the fuck's he doing with this thing? Yeah. <laughs> It was, it was, I actually enjoyed the way they did it because it was like, I knew that when they were going along out in the open and mm -hmm. he was just going out like, well, this seems just like a really stupid thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so I knew there was like something there. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't remember the stick. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, like you watch it and you're like, well, something's up here, but can't can't be sure exactly what. And they did it in a in a way that I was actually surprised at at, at, at Leo's little ruse. Ruse, yeah, that was I thought it was pretty good. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I did think it was weird though that he waits for Fitz to figure it out. Yeah, that that was like a like a you know, there's a cinematic way to do it, but I kind of wonder if you shouldn't have just shot him right the fuck immediately. As yeah, because I mean, we could have got the shot. Yeah, yeah, because then you could have just shown Leo, like picking the, the guy back up, like taking the stick out and putting him back over the horse or something. Like mm-hmm. there could have been other ways. To, it just felt weird to be like, okay, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, yeah. I'm waiting. Okay, now he's in, he knows that I'm that I'm the other guy. Yeah, you know. So now I'm gonna surprise him. Um, but you know, he shoots him, but this he's the fit still gets away because, yeah, you know, that guy likes to live too, apparently. Yeah, um, get a couple of tough sons of bitches, see who wins, you know. I just think poor Domhnall, you know, shot again. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's what I was thinking. Like, damn, he's just a practice uh, target dummy now, yeah, exactly. And uh. So then Hugh Glass chases after him. Of course, he loses his gun sliding down the hill mm. and uh, cuts two of his fingers off with a tomahawk. <laughs> you know, they made they made them in, you know, people were made of different stuff back then, or just these two were. I don't know. Yeah. Now, I think in real life, Tom Hardy wins this fight handily. Just. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, but at this point he, you know Hugh is is driven just purely by I don't know hatred or something and he's that's that's a powerful force so um now Fitz is gonna do the the Mike Tyson move where he mm-hmm. bites off Leo's ear which was gross um <laughs> yeah and I'm just like, like my god this fight scene is just intense and gruesome it is it it it, it went on like you know a while was like, like slow stab into his gullet there and uh-huh. i was like okay and then tom hardy as fit says enjoy your revenge because there ain't nothing gonna bring your boy back mm-hmm. that's some cold shit to say in that moment it really <laughs> was cold at first i thought it was just like a trying to well don't kill me you know, there's no, you don't have any reason to kill me moment, but I think he was just a, it was, you know, it, it, it's just, it's just cold and like, yeah, it felt to me like he was saying, like, I still killed your son. Yeah. He's dead oh. no matter what. So I, I win no matter what you do here. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this is the part where I'm like, what would he really have done? It's like the, the character that we've built with Hugh Glass. Mm-hmm. Is he really going that that moment right there? Is he going to be like, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'll just put him in the river. Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. yeah um, I don't know. Um, I kind of like the, the the poetic nature of it, but it is a little strange. I, I did too. I liked it, but I just felt like I don't know if it. I don't know that I believe that this character that we've built, who is has survived all of this just for the moment where he can kill this guy um is suddenly like okay i'll let some other guy do it (laughs) okay not my problem and i don't really understand like why did the re want to kill fitz in the first place is it just that he's you know a white man or i don't i don't know um, because he was fighting with Hugh and Hugh had saved his daughter's life. That's that's what I took from it. But it is kind of an odd moment. Like I get the uh 
you know, the oh, he ended up, you know, he was so worried about getting caught by the by the re, and now, you know, this, the, the situation he ends up in is like poetic justice. But like, it is a little strange that like the re exists to do this favor for Hugh, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was it was nice in the moment, but looking back on it, is a little it strikes me as a little odd. Yeah, I thought it was odd too. But I did. I was thinking about it during you know like i thought a lot about this movie after i watched it again mm -hmm. um and i there's at no point do we see hugh kill anybody um not in self-defense oh that's interesting and i mean that right. seriously i said it like it was like no no i didn't i thought you were being serious um but yeah so that's what i was thinking i was like well, maybe it's that he doesn't want to kill somebody in cold blood mm-hmm but I also feel like, but you know, the guy was trying to kill you too. Uh, it still feels like self-defense. This is, yeah, this is the, yeah, after that big long fight, I feel like you can kill him, like, just to, because he's going, obviously he's not going to stop, you know, he's not going to get up and walk away and be like, never mind. Yeah. Although I guess he was kind of walking away, right? I guess so. Still, I feel like that you're forgiven in that, at the end of that fight to be like, you know what? One of us needs to go. And so, okay, now here's my final question why and, I, and this isn't like a like this is bad part of the movie and i don't mm. don't get why they did it i'm actually asking because i know that there's a meaning for this mm -hmm. but i just don't know what it is but why did inner to have him look into the camera at the end you know i don't know either um it it struck me as hokey like a little bit because like what is he looking through the years at us? Like it was just it was strange, unless it was like a just a connection between people kind of thing. I don't know. I was I was a bit put off by it actually. I was too. I, you know, and I'm like, I feel like there has to have been a like a good artful reason mm -hmm. for it, or at yeah. least in his head, it was a good reason. You know, mm -hmm. I just want to know what it is because to me, it's just like, why did he do that? Mm -hmm. you know yeah it's like i'm not you know and I, I i guess i'm not like i'm not saying it was like terrible or anything i just didn't really understand why he was suddenly acknowledging us you know yeah yeah um, yeah i don't know i sort of actually hadn't thought about it i just sort of went eh, whatever and then moved on it's i'm, gl I'm glad you brought it up but now i, I kind of need to process it a little bit <laughs> Maybe well, while you by the end of yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, while you process it, maybe you can come up with something while we're doing the uh, while we're doing the rank. Mm -hmm. Oh, rank. As we move into the next segment here, the rank. Um, this is where we rank the movie based on ten categories: story, acting, originality, film coherence, cinematography, score slash soundtrack. Script structure and dialogue, character relatability, production value, and timelessness. Now, uh, we're doing, we rank it on a scale of one to 10, one being the worst, 10 being the best. And um, Zach starts, and the first one is story. So, what do you have, Zach? This is okay. So, story, I gave, you're gonna, I think you're gonna be surprised by some of my scores, but story, I gave a seven. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting to see if you're yelling at me. Um, no, no, I actually think that maybe you're going to be surprised by some of mine. I I had a tough time 
anyway, go ahead. No, this is this is this is actually a really interesting movie in a lot of ways. And by interesting, I mean sort of it goes both ways. Um, I could have given the story even a little bit lower, I think, but that gets into territory where it seems like I'm being like this movie shit, and that's not what I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's not really about the story. There's there's no, and a story doesn't need twists or anything. But there isn't really all that much interesting happening. It's him surviving and. I like the way it ta it sort of presents survival as difficult, but also kind of mundane. Like there's, it's not yeah. like, it's not glamorous, you know, it's just surviving. It's taking the next step. It's just continuing on. And I like that. But at the same time, the story, I said before, it's, sl it's a slog and it really does drag in some places. And I'll, some of that might be purposeful as far as like getting us exhausted in the same way the character is. But, um, there's not a heck of a lot here. I kind of wish that they had. So many times I was thinking, damn, you know, I'm, I, I want to see Hugh survive and everything like that. But can I get some actual fucking meat to this? Yeah. I feel like, I feel like this is nothing but the marrow, for instance. <laughs> I, I wanted, like, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not even saying what I know what the right way to go was, but did, can we get some backstory on some of the other guys? Maybe more with the other, the other trapper, the fur tra trappers, you know, maybe more with the natives. I don't know. The story was not the point of the movie, I guess. So that's it. I rambled again. Well, it's interesting because I I think I get I can't remember what I originally had it at, but I think it was like a seven and a half. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't that far from you. I, I ended up at an eight point two five. Okay. It's a revenge flick. Yeah. Really, right? That's what it is. Now I realize at the end he technically doesn't go through with the full on revenge, but do you think that he would have let him go? If he mm -hmm. hadn't known that somebody else was going to kill him, yeah, that that that's what strikes me as odd because we're supposed to like give this sudden like deep deep level of like credence to the the one thing that the Pawnee guy said to him earlier about revenge being in the hands of fate or whatever he said, right? Like it's just it's it's like a random thing to come back. It's not like a credo that he's lived by the entire movie or anything like that, right? Right, and I'm just uh, yeah. Um, you know, and you, like I said earlier, we we don't ever see him kill outside of self defense. Mm -hmm. So maybe that has something to do. Like maybe that's they're trying to show him in a different light or something. I don't really know. Um, I, it is a fascinating story, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that, you, like you said, there's not much meat to it, but the survival is incredible and it's fascinating and it's you know it's a legendary tale about this you know pioneer. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's it, it was just so amazingly well done visually on the screen mm -hmm. um, that I ended up while I was like writing up what I wanted to say about the story, I convinced myself to give it a little bit higher, and that's that's how yeah. I ended up at eight point two five. Yeah, I, I I do that a lot, and actually I did that a lot with The Martian. Um, I'm not going to go back and change anything because it is what it is, but I did I like. I felt like it deserved higher, despite the fact that it didn't deserve higher. So I was like <laughs> talking myself into higher grades all the time. And I've decided to be more true to how I'm actually reacting to the movie. Rather than being like, well, The Martians, it's a good movie, so I can't give it a bad grade. You know what I mean? Right, right. It's probably a good way to go about it because I, I struggle with that too, actually. Mm -hmm. But let's go on to the next category here. So mm -hmm. the next category is acting, and I've got that one first. And I... I I gave it a nine and a half. 
actually. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, like, nobody took me out of it. And and there were times that I actually forgot I was watching Leo mm -hmm. and got lost in the story of him being Hugh Glass, which is saying something because Leo is Leo, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually wonder if his throat being you know slashed by the bear mm -hmm. didn't help him deliver a better performance. Yeah, because I think it cut down on his Leo yelly performance that he likes to do. You're a hundred percent right about that. You go, you continue, but you're so right. Well, because I mean, even in the beginning of the movie, when he like he's telling this kid, no, you know, they they don't they don't hear you. They only mm -hmm. see the color of your face or whatever. Mm -hmm. Was like, okay, well, there's Leo, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but taking away that from him, I think made him sort of focus on other anyway other aspects of his performance and tom hardy is just an excellent actor mm -hmm. he really is kind of amazing i and i i know maybe he's a shithead <laughs> in real life but i mean i i think about sort of the movies that we we've seen it him mm -hmm. in recently right so we've watched three movies fairly recently with tom hardy it's this one and uh, Mad Max and mm -hmm. Inception, right? Mm -hmm. And Inception, he was like this, you know, kind of funny, cheeky type oh, of guy, yeah. right? And in Mad Max, he was, you know, he was a hero. He had mm -hmm. uh, like a moral compass and you rooted for him. And then on this one, he's, he's the villain. Mm -hmm. and, and every time that I saw him, I wasn't like going, oh, uh, you know, it's Tom Hardy. I, I got lost in his character every time. It's mm -hmm. kind of incredible. Anyway, no, you're you're so right. Um, I actually gave it a nine point seven five, which is obviously higher oh. than you. But I have I have a specific reason. Um, the whole thing was about a nine and a half ish, nine point I don't know six something like that for me. Um, Leo was very good. I don't know that he was the best actor that year, but it's not. It's not a. It's not like a travesty by any stretch of the imagination. He gave a good performance, right? Um, you, I think you're totally right. I don't know if I don't know if the 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 the, 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 the wow. <laughs> let's 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 start over. I don't know if you know the throat injury did this, but he's much less over the top than he usually is. I was actually thinking that during this whole movie. I was like, you know, as much as I like him, he does overact sometimes, and. Um, he's not doing it here and i love it he's 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 really understated and it's like a different yeah that we haven't seen it was it was really good um H hudson and i recently rewatched um romeo and juliet the Baz Luhrmann one with him in it and uh -huh. lord does he get yelly does he I, I get it and like it's not a bad performance exactly but holy mackerel it's like <laughs> it's like we need to calm down here guy I don't know why I could, didn't swear just then. But anyway, excellent <laughs> work by him. Uh, Tom Hardy was actually surprisingly good for me. Um, a couple of the, actually, of the main kind of four actors you see among the trapper, the fur the fur traders. I um, loved Domino Gleason in this. Uh, yeah, three of them are from the UK, you know, and Leo's American. Yeah. And I actually thought that Tom Hardy's accent was the best out of the, the three that were from. Oh, the yeah, I would agree with that. It was very convincing as somebody. I don't know what people in Texas would have sounded like, but it was. I would. I would have believed that he was actually. That was his actual accent. Donald mm -hmm. Gleason a little bit less, but I'm not really sure where the character was supposed to be from. Missouri. And, okay. I yeah. Just sort of a general. Yeah, kind of like a Midwestern. I thought mm -hmm. he was fine. Yeah, and Will, and Will Poulter was fine too. Um, yeah. 
All three was also them. from Missouri. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, I, I must have missed that or just don't remember. Well, I'm, I know it because I, you know, researching it. Okay. Okay. So, um, because Hugh Glass is from Pennsylvania. Okay. So you, you know, all the characters. Hey, yeah. where, where's, uh, where's, uh, the one guy who dies at the beginning with the arrow through his throat from? Oh, that guy, that guy's actually from Hong Kong. So <laughs> I know it's weird. It's weird, but it's a long way to come just to get shot in the throat with an arrow. <laughs> anyway, um, sorry. So, yeah. so everyone was good. And uh, I just wanted to give extra, extra credit to the um, native actors playing the, the re and the Pawnee. I thought they, they were all excellent in what is a limited kind of capacity to act because you're playing, you know, you don't have a ton of lines. You don't have a ton of character development. You're playing just sort of, you know, a, a, an Indian from an old Western kind of movie. But they bring a lot of gravitas to it, all of them, from the from the daughter. I'm thinking specifically of the daughter and the, and the I don't know if he's a, the leader of the group or what, but the older guy. Her father? Yeah, I don't... I, they, they might have both had names, and I don't remember them. But Pakwana or pa Paukana or something mm -hmm. was the yeah. daughter's name. But I don't remember the dad's name. And uh, Leo, I think also did a good job with the with the native languages. I don't know. It sounded it sounded at least believable to me. Well, I read somewhere that that uh, the native like tribes were happy with his okay with his uh, with the way he did it or whatever. Yeah, yeah delivery. So, so every everyone you know. This is an extremely well acted movie across the board. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that. I think this is the type of movie where if the acting is, you know, I don't want to say subpar, but not, not excellent mm -hmm. like it is. It's not. It's not nominated for best picture. Yeah, it very much is a because, like we said, the story is pretty minimal, so a lot of it's going to be on the presence of the actors, right? Um, so yeah, the, the next category is originality. So, uh, what do you have for that? I don't know what to do here. So I gave it a six. Um, I don't know that might strike you as way too low saying it out loud. You ever do that? You give it the score and then you say it and you're like, I'm embarrassed. I had so much trouble with originality. So I, I get it. I went like back and forth with it. Yeah. Why don't you go well, straight to what your your score was? And then well, I, I gave it a nine, but oh, it was okay. much lower than that when mm -hmm. I started. Yeah. Um. So I mean, it feels like Deliverance in a mm -hmm. way. You yeah. Know? Um. I think the story isn't super original. So here's what I decided to give it the original higher originality score. It was the grittiness and depth mm -hmm. with which they shot mm -hmm. the movie. Um. You know, using the natural light and. Just okay. the, the, you know, like the breathing on the camera. And they did yeah. that several times where they fogged the camera from hot yeah. breath and just putting you in that, that claustrophobic feeling. And the, mm -hmm. so I feel like that the way they shot it was really original. Okay. And so I was like, uh, I'll give it, I'll give it the originality for that. So it's a little bit more of a technical aspect than the technical originality as opposed to, yeah, script originality or story okay. originality. Okay. Um, I'm kind of considering if I want to bump it up to like a seven-ish. I might. Uh, you know, it's it's not a bad it's not bad that it sort of fits into this re-examination of the of the old Western picture kind of genre. I actually really like that that genre. Um, I do um, too. And uh, you're actually it was actually very spot on to to compare it to No Country to, for Old Men, which is obviously takes place much later. 
you know, I think that's in the sixties, but um, either way that this deconstruction of the American West mythos, um, it's a good example of it. It's just, it's, it doesn't trade ground. It hasn't been tread already. I think I'm going to leave it at a six. Okay. I, I actually, you know, I'm not going to change mine and mm -hmm. I'm, I think it's good that you're not changing. I think that the median between ours mm -hmm. is kind of where it needs to be actually. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Um, all right, so the next one is film coherence, and mm -hmm. I gave that a nine and a half. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, is right, I I felt the same way you did. It's kind of a slog, right? I mean, it's a two mm -hmm. and a half hour movie. Yeah. And I was sitting there, I, I it was the last thing I put a ranking on, actually. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I was like racking my brain to think of something that was out of place or unneeded, mm -hmm. you know, because um, it feels like there definitely is in a two and a half hour movie, but yeah. Honestly, I, I could only think of things that were like nitpicky, you know, like why don't you just see all the gruesome details mm -hmm. thing, right? Um, you know, so I suppose if anything, I don't really feel like the dream sequences added anything other than stylism. Mm -hmm. um, like Inarito liked the idea of using bison skulls to show how you know, Europeans destroyed the Native American way of life. But I mean, he's still just using a white guy to show that. Yeah. You know, like like he's representing Native Americans. I don't know. That was weird to me. I don't know. There, I, I I gave it a nine and a half because I couldn't think of anything that was really glaringly wrong. So I'm curious if you're going to disabuse me of that. So what did you give it? <laughs> no, I gave it a nine. I feel very similarly. Um, it's it's hard to really knock it any down any points because it's 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 well edited and well constructed for what it is I, I think they were trying to for the to go for the sort of the boring mundane aspect in a lot of ways but that's an excellent point about the the fact that we can't even have a movie focusing entirely on the natives we have to see it through this white guy yeah um i kind of wish that they it kind of that's i kind of would have liked more from a lot of the native perspectives but um if I, I remember correctly, I think Leo kind of makes a statement about that in his acceptance speech. Oh, does he? I think uh, he does. I uh, I would believe it. Um, I have to go, go check that out at some point. But uh, yeah, no, I, I like the dream sequences, as a matter of fact. They were convincing as like sort of both dreams and fever dreams, except the, the, the recurrence of his wife struck me as a little... The way, they, the way they film her like floating above him and everything just... Yeah. Is, the, it was the one point in that in those dream sequences where I was like, "That's both silly and obvious," but nothing to complain about. So maybe nothing to complain about should be more like a seven or an eight. But it's <laughs> it's I want to compliment Inari too and uh, whoever else was in charge of editing for doing a very good job. Yeah. Well, the next one, cinematography. So what do you have for that one? This one was interesting. I kept going back and forth between. One grade and like two lower than that. I'll, we'll get there because <laughs> okay. I kept I kept wanting to give it the one grade, and then I kept saying, you know, I didn't love a lot of their choices because I don't see the need for the natural light thing, and I don't. I really didn't like the way a lot of it was filmed. Well, I didn't at first. I should say didn't like the way a lot of it was filmed. You know. Again, I don't know how they did it, but like, you know, sort of a hand cam kind of like amidst the actors moving around and everything. Mm -hmm. it, 
it disoriented me at first and then it grew on me and then I really liked it. So what did you give it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I kept giving it the one grade and then I kept saying, no, that no, no, I have to get it a little lower. And then I said, no, I'm I'm giving this movie grades based on my true reactions to it and not tempering myself in either direction. I gave it a 10. That was, wow. long, that was another long-winded way of saying that. I think it was brilliant, and uh, it actually is going to make me seek out Lubezki's work more because it was um, so masterful. It was like the work of a like a like a true artist, and I'm also in Ritu, but specifically, it looks like this Lubezki character is especially skillful, and I feel like cinematographers don't always get the credit they deserve. Yeah. Well, I gave it a ten too. Okay. <laughs> well, you, um, you got there quicker than I did, but same results. Yeah, well, so I got to read about it beforehand, mm -hmm. too. So I knew what I, what to expect, so it probably mm -hmm. helped me a little bit. But I also, for me, I just, I, I was in it right from the beginning. I mean, I just don't think you could ask for a more beautiful cinematic experience, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. really. Um, the way it was done, just it just put you in the film. It's... It, we don't need to keep going. We both love it. It's just truly remarkable work. So, what, yeah, what a, good what job, Lubeski. Exactly. What a strong year for this, by the way. Yeah. For, for just for cinematography? Film. Yeah, yeah. For, for them being great to look at, regardless of the content. I'm thinking, I mean, and like Brooklyn, when, Mad Max, Fury Road. Those two one. specifically. Yeah, those, yeah, these three stand out enormously to me. And Bridge of Spies was very good in that way. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bridge of Spies, you know, it's the. So it's the Martian. What about this? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's the set pieces and the Martian did a great job. With the Martian was the set pieces too. I feel yeah. like for um, cinematography, mm -hmm. so I feel like production value really helped uh, the Martian and Bridge of Spies mm -hmm. for cinematography. But anyway, yeah. So let's uh, let's keep going. So the the next one is score slash scores. <laughs> the next one is score slash soundtrack uh -huh. all right that's really hard for me apparently uh, <laughs> i gave that a seven and a half uh-huh so there wasn't much to the score yeah but i thought it was affecting you know um I, i'm not you know the thing is, is i'm not really sure what i'm looking for with score yeah it's because we still haven't really sussed that out yeah because i feel like it tends to be my lowest score um irony um or i don't know if that's ironic that i'm my lowest score is score. Um, anyway, it's silly, whatever it is. Yeah, I I think maybe a high ranking for score for me would be a score that tells the story as well, like one that you hear and you know what it's saying with your eyes closed. You don't have to mm -hmm. see what's happening in the movie to know. I feel like that's the ten for mm -hmm. me with score. Um, but yeah, to me, it's just, you know, like, okay, so there were some affecting scenes where their score was, you know, melodic and, you know, I got what they were getting across, but nothing blew my skirt up. What about uh, what about you? Darn, I was hoping for, for a peek. Um, <laughs> I, uh, Watch speed. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I, I get, <laughs> I'm going to watch The Mummy for that. Oh, there you go. Um, so I uh, gave it a 9.75 because it added a ton of tension to me. It was one of those great tense scores where they really sort of get your nerves on edge. And I think it was in a 
in a movie that really needed some tension at times. Right. It, and they did that with the film itself, but the, the, the score was like a really like, it reminds me of like in the, uh, in the shining, it's very good at like hewing scenes based on the score. And, um, it's helpful in a movie, this spare where not much is happening. And then something does happen for the score to get you ready for that in a sense. And, uh, it also just sort of highlighted a lot of the desolate landscape in a way that was very pleasing to me. See, this is why I like, I feel like I should change mine. Um, whatever. I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I don't think seven and a half is a bad score. No. So, all right. Well, the next category is script structure and dialogue. So what do you have for that one? Um, this one I gave a seven because I wasn't really sure what to grade it on. There isn't a heck of a lot of dialogue that what dialogue there was, was good. Um, <laughs> it was kind of hard to follow it for me at times, but, um, I think that was good. It was sort of like, you're in the moment of these like rough and tumble guys who don't really, they're not the most eloquent necessarily, uh, but nothing stood out. And I would have changed some things around in the, in the way they, they set it up personally, uh, way, the way they the story progressed. So I just decided to give it sort of a seven. I felt, it felt like, okay, good, but you know, nothing to write home about. Yeah. See, that's interesting. So I gave it an eight and a half. Mm -hmm. and I kind of felt the same way you did. Yeah. So I'm wondering if I gave it too high of a score because there's not a ton of dialogue, mm -hmm. you know, especially when you consider how long the movie was. Yeah. Right. But the dialogue was pretty good. Like, I mean, I felt like I, I never felt like what they really have said that in 1823, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have no complaints about it, I, but I wouldn't say that it blew me out of the water or anything mm -hmm. either, you know? So it's interesting because I feel like I had the exact same commentary for score mm -hmm. slash soundtrack, but I gave this one a point higher. I'm actually, I'm going to give it a seven and a half. I'm going to do the okay. same thing as score. That seems fair to me. <laughs> Meanwhile, I gave score a really good grade in this one. Oh, well. <laughs> well, yeah. It is. Well, the, yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the, the next category, which is character relatability. Oh. <laughs> uh, this is an interesting category. Yeah. Um, so I gave this a 7.85. Uh -huh. um, you know, I felt empathy for Glass, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I didn't really relate to him that much, except, you know, ar around the loss of his son, mm -hmm. which was devastating. But, you know, it, it might be because I'm not a very vengeful guy. Mm -hmm. So that part of it is was hard for me to relate to. Um, but... I did want Fitz to receive some justice, yeah. right? Um, but I think I would have preferred it to go the way that the captain wanted it to go. Yeah. Um, well, either way, Fitz was somewhat relatable because you could, I, I feel like I understood his fear. Uh -huh. I really like got why he, like he just, he needed to get out of there. He was afraid, you know, he doesn't want to get scalped again. Right. He's, I, I, I got it, but then I just feel like he almost got too evil, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like, especially toward the end there, like, at the very end with their the, fighting each other scene, like, yeah, I get I get a lot of it with self-preservation, but at the same time, the way he's, like, lying in wait for them, like, he's suddenly, yeah. he's suddenly like, the serious villain who, like, they have to go out and hunt 
It's kind of strange. Not the end of the world, but I actually felt like the captain was probably the most relatable character. Him mm -hmm. and him and maybe Bridger. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. Basically, most of the supporting characters were more relatable than the the two. Main yeah, characters. the two main guys. Yeah. But what about you? What do you say? I gave it a seven and a half uh, for basically same same reason. It's boring when we when we agree because it's like yeah, me too. But uh, I I thought the movie did a good job of like putting you in those in those places and like obviously neither of us have been mauled by a bear, but it does do a very good job of making you like feel the same thing that the same sort of you know fear like you said that like uh, uh why can't i remember his name fitz fitzgerald is that his name yeah yep that that fits call him fitz that fits feels and that leo the sort of the despondence that he's feeling but i i still feel like the movie was at such a remove from a lot of its own emotions where it was trying to make you like feel along like this 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 really intense situation but at the same time, everything was so cold and distant in, in a way. It felt like, okay, so here's this guy. He's 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 in pain again. Oh, <laughs> yeah. he, he's he's like gonna die again. So I sort of tempered it in that way. That's why I gave it a seven and a half because it wasn't all. It wasn't entirely interested in putting me in exactly in Hugh Glass's shoes. More more observing him from the outside, despite the fact that I liked the cinematography being so in everybody's face all the time. As well. right. It was an odd experience in a lot of ways. I liked a lot of it, but then at the same time, I felt so, I felt so removed from it. Uh, yeah, I know this one was sort of a hard one to put your finger on. I mm -hmm. felt like. No, yeah, absolutely. I um, I actually remember that about this movie when I watched it because I remember everybody sort of thought it was going to win Best Picture, mm -hmm. and I was like, I don't, I almost. I kind of felt like it was the weakest entry. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, but the acting I, I thought was incredible. So it's, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's an interesting. Anyway, but the next category is production value. And mm -hmm. what do you have for that one? I gave that one an eight. I wanted to give it higher, but at the same time, shut. Maybe I should give it higher because I liked I liked the cinematography and the score and everything else so much. But I was thinking of like, say, for instance, Bridge of Spies. Where they did such a good job of putting you in the time and place, like through their own actual efforts. Here, I felt definitely in the place because they really were in the place, and I felt a lot of the desolation of the landscape along with them. But the the actual physical landscape of where they were did so much of the work for them. I mean, there's barely any sets in this movie. It's just entirely wilderness, right? Right. I mean, it's all like, in location. Yeah, there's like the fort, but. Um, that's true. There is a fort, which might have been a set. I don't know. So it's it's basically of average production value for any movie set in this time time period, but it didn't go like to the extent of so. Oh, and Brooklyn too actually did an excellent job of making you feel very immersed in the time. Um, and this one did as well. But I mean, really, what it made me feel was exactly what I would feel if I was in the wilderness of Canada right now. That's interesting. Well, feel, so then like that, that that exhale of that 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 uh, confused exhalation is very much how I feel. Yeah. Well, you you've given me something to ponder here because I gave it a ten, um, but now I'm thinking. So okay, here's what I would say. I think production value 
lumped into that is mm -hmm. right it's the set making but also yeah. it's the makeup and the hairstyling and the and the costume design and all that stuff right yeah so while i agree with you that the the set for you know for lack of a better word mm -hmm. is just the forest right mm -hmm. i mean that's like okay you go to the forest it looks the same as it did 100 years ago um but you know if if you went to the forest and you saw hugh glass in his you know bear <laughs> fur coat thing mm -hmm. yeah. and crazy outfit i don't know that you would be like um did i go through a wormhole like what the hell just <laughs> happened to me yeah um so it's an interesting it's an interesting one i do think that you're right that they rely on where they are as a crutch mm. but so the question then is is production value only a high score if it's a set yeah that's a good point that's not what i meant to say but yeah i i can see how what i said definitely comes off that way um well, I don't even, I'm just curious if, like, I, I don't mean it, like, rudely or anything. I just no, mean, yeah. like, I guess, how do we define what the production value is or or, or what besides, well, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, 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 I was listening to you. I just, I mean, I thought it was really well done. I Your point was well taken. I, it made me want to, made me think of lowering it. But I'm also like, well, but, you know. I did feel like the the makeup and hairstyling and costume design was kind of incredible. I mean, you had that boat which like looked like it was out of you know the eighteen hundreds. Some it was an interesting thing. Um, and I don't know what natives look like in you know like what their attire is yeah, from the eighteen hundreds or anything. I but, assume that was accurate, but it seemed accurate. Yeah, yeah you're right. So I'm I'm just gonna cut you off there. I'm gonna let you finish, but um, I uh, I'm giving I'm up I'm upping my grade. I think I think you've convinced me that I've I've sort of looked at this the wrong way. Uh, the the technical aspects of the movie were extremely well done. So let's give it a nine and a half. All right, so. I'm I'm gonna go down to a nine and a half. Okay, um, we'll, we'll meet kind of in the middle-ish. Yeah, uh, well, because I think you know, I don't think that production value should be based on necessarily the set, but I agree that um, you know, there there was nothing particularly special about where they were mm -hmm. in terms of because, like, I looked at it and I thought it was beautiful right because mm -hmm. as we've established in uh best u.s cities or whatever <laughs> the top 10 we did was where you don't give a shit about nature yeah um, <laughs> that i love nature and you could care less um <laughs> or you couldn't care less but yeah yeah you're right i was sort of looking at this from a very like man-made perspective like they didn't build anything you know <laughs> right, that's, right. that's kind of a silly way to look at it at the end of the day so I'm glad I'm glad we talked that out. If this was just like just me doing it on my own, that would have been that. <laughs> um all right. Well, so now we go on to the last category, which as 
always, I think, is kind of the toughest. Although I feel like I had an easier time with, with it this time. I might be getting the hang of this category a little bit. So the next category is timelessness, and I gave it a six and a half. Okay. So I actually don't think this one will end up being as timeless as some of the others we've watched for this year. Um, I think that the thing that it will always have in terms of timelessness is that it was Leo's first Oscar win. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'll have that. But other than that, though, I don't know that its memory will live as long as people may have expected it to when it first came out. Yeah. Um, that's that's pretty much it. What do you have for it? So I just wanted to say that I am not getting the hang of a lot of these categories quite, <laughs> quite yet. I maybe maybe it'll take another couple of Oscar years to get the hang of it because. I, it's I tough. These are the, these are tougher than the action movie ones. I Absolutely, think. I find myself yearning for the action movie ones. I, I know, me too. Just to react viscerally. Yeah, that was kick ass, and like, <laughs> give it a five or whatever. But uh, no, I, I I gave this one actually a six. Um, I'm glad. I was so glad to hear you say that because I was like, felt like such a dumbass low score. But um, yeah, it's it doesn't really have like the sort of content that is really going to resonate with people across eras. I mean, people might watch it and be like, oh, yeah, that was well done. But, I mean, it doesn't have, like, a message, and it doesn't have... what I mean, when I... At this... I, I hadn't seen it. I hadn't really heard much about it. All I really knew was that he won the Oscar and he fought a bear. And everyone <laughs> I've ever talked to about it, it's like, oh, is that the one where Leo fights a bear? They don't know anything about the plot. And um, I think that, that sort of hurts it a lot. That it, I don't know. It just it, it doesn't really have anything to distinguish itself from... A lot of similar movies so well well there you have it folks that's it that's the rank that's the rank so interestingly it um it ended up number five mm-hmm. of the six we've ranked so just 1.05 points above uh big short you know, it's funny. Because Which makes me feel like we've done the big short dirty. <laughs> we really have. Because I feel like we were we were pretty effusive in praise for that movie when we did it. And then we just gave it shit scores, apparently. <laughs> no. And now, okay, so my memory of this year, because I did watch all of them before the Oscars. And I remembered mm-hmm. thinking that I felt like The Revenant was the weakest of all of them. Yeah. And it's interesting, after watching The Martian... I was like, you know what? I don't know. I actually think The Revenant is slightly better than them. I don't know. I'm not going to make a blanket statement like that. They seem very close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remembered thinking that both The Revenant and The Big Short were probably the bottom two. Mm-hmm. And not because I didn't like either of them, but I thought The Revenant was the weakest, and I thought The Big Short was not the weakest, but I just didn't think it was... Yeah. the same caliber right so it's kind of coming it's kind of coming together similarly to what i thought back then but i don't know that i agree with it now after <laughs> yeah. watching all this and i'm just like eh, whatever but the but brooklyn continues to be the best move best best picture of all time <laughs> so citizen kane move out of the way <laughs> here comes brooklyn Hey, you know what? I loved Brooklyn. Man. I did too. I, <laughs> it's, it's, it's we haven't quite gotten to a lot of the really meaty stuff yet. Well, we haven't even gotten to the one that won Best Picture yet for this exactly, year. Exactly, and we won't because I 
I thought we were going to next next time, but no, room had to go and exist and then be forgotten by me. <laughs> well, room is next. So anyway, I guess we should uh, we should do the outro, which I know you love. Mm -hmm. um, I can't, was that on the Martian that we did that, or was that the nice guys? I don't know. I think that was the nice guys, I think. <laughs> then without the outro is my favorite part. So, ooh, the outro. Let's go. Here yeah. it is, ladies and germs. <laughs> yeah, thank you again for listening to our listener. And <laughs> if you'd uh, like thank, to see... Thank God for our listener, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd like to see an updated list of our rankings, you can see that on our website at therankwithjohnandzack.com. Um, check us out next week when we're ranking Room. The 2015 Best Picture nominee starring Brie Larson and Jacob Tremblay and directed by Lenny Abramson. Not to be confused with The Room, the uh, Tommy Wiseau film, which right. will be obviously Eventually, going to yeah, be the best picture. Best picture of all time, but yeah, not just, not, not just yet. So I want to remind everybody to please tweet at us, email us at, at uh, the rank with John and Zach at Proton Mail. The, the Twitter handle is at the rank podcast. Um, go to our website and send in a comment. Um, however, you want to get a hold of us, please do so. Let us know what um, year of Best Picture nominees you'd like to hear us rank after we're done with 2015 and 2004. Whatever year you want, whatever gets the most, uh, you know, mentions, that's the one we'll do. And, uh, you know, if we don't get enough, you know, if we don't get any feedback, then we'll just keep picking it on our own. Uh, fuck you guys. <laughs> Fine, we'll do it. I'll, I'll, you know, the Thanos meme. I'll do it myself. Yeah, I can't. Fuck it. I'll do it live. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> a villain almost as bad as Thanos. Bad. Worse. Worse. You're right because he's real. Worse because he's real, but also Thanos. You know, at least had uh, he was doing. He had he like a moral compass. Yeah. yeah. Whereas you know this guy was just like I just want to fuck people. <laughs> I mean, I want to fuck people too, but I'm not a jerk about it. Yeah. All right. So that all being said, thanks again for listening and goodbye. And banana. What? Banana. Okay. Banana what? What? What banana? Revenant. That's the name of the movie. Yes. <laughs> what? Revenant. You glad I didn't say banana? I did that one for you. I thought about not doing it. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're not going to do it because I mentioned it? And then you did. I was so happy. <laughs>